Alright, I'll just rock like this. I don't know why he's doing this, but it's not letting me uh, be on the app. Oh, that's crazy. Alright, so... Um... You still sound good, so... We're doing receivers first, right? Yeah. So, I'm gonna um, I'm I'm set this up. So, yeah, we're gonna do the receivers. Um, receivers, then uh, we we'll won the 2K game. Uh, we'll do the three the three stars uh, to switch teams, and then we'll finish it up with the who pays on the first day. You think we should do the the stars second, the three stars, and then do the 2K game? And um... yeah, 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 because they'll transition from basketball. To, uh, I mean, from uh, football to basketball. To, okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Alright. Alright, so you ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Alright, cool. Alright, what's up guys? Uh welcome to the Threes of Crowd Podcast uh, with your host Trey Gant and my co-host Trey Bjorn. Um I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Um we have a special show for you guys today. Uh, we're gonna discuss um our top five receivers in the NFL currently, so current day, uh, not past. Um, so our top five will give you, you know, some of our reasons why. Um, then we're going to discuss um, three players um, that we basically think you could take them from one franchise. We're trying to do kind of bad franchises that have a player that's kind of stuck in mediocrity. And if you put them on another team, they can turn them into championship contenders. Um, so we're going to give a couple guys that we think can really make that switch for a team. And then we're going to get into um, what we want in the new 2K game, NBA 2K. Uh, we're both avid gamers at 2K, and we want to see the best game possible. Um, so we just want to give our thoughts on what we think can make the game better and something that's enjoyable for 2020 and beyond. And then lastly, we have kind of a fun topic. Just, uh, hey, when you go on the first date, man, who got to pay, the woman or the man? So uh, we're going to get into that. So um, it's going to be a fun episode. So like I said, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, so let's get ready to rock and roll. Uh, so I'm going to start off with... Um, my top five receivers in the NFL currently. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, what I'm going to do is, first, I'm going to start off with, I'm just going to give my top five, and then I'm going to give a brief uh, reasoning why. Um, so, my top five is Julio Jones uh, from the Atlanta Falcons, Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, DeAndre Hopkins uh, from the now Arizona Cardinals, Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints, and Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so the reason I have Julio number one is I think he's the best receiver in the NFL, hands down. Um, I think he has everything you want. He has speed. He has quickness. He can catch. His catch radius is ridiculous. As you saw in the Super Bowl, catching over Dante Hightower on the sideline, tippy toes. Uh-huh. I just, I mean, he's a, he's a freak. You know, he's a guy that um, came out of Alabama. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons traded up for him and um, you know, he's been great ever, ever since he got drafted, um, you know, consistently a thousand plus yards every year that he's not injured. Uh, last year he had 99 catches, 1,394 yards, averaging 14 yards a catch. Um, it has six touchdowns. The only thing with Julio is that he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns because for whatever reason, the Atlanta Falcons tend to go away from him in the red zone. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird, but they don't do, like, kind of how most teams will just throw, like, a jump ball fade route for him. Um, he just kind of gets his yards and his touchdowns kind of harder than everybody else. Uh, but just think of these last – I'm going to give you his last um, six seasons. In 2014, okay. uh, he had 104 catches for 1,593 yards and six touchdowns. The very next year in 2015, 136 catches for 1,871 yards – uh, with 14 yards of catch and eight touchdowns. The next year in 2016, uh, he had 1,409 yards uh, with six touchdowns. Uh, the next year in 2017, uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl, he had 88 catches for 1,444 yards, averaging 16 yards of catch. And he only had three touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. As great as he is, just for whatever reason, doesn't get in the end zone. Uh, 2018, 113 catches. 1,677 yards and eight touchdowns. And then I just gave you 2019, uh, 99 catches, a 1,394 yards and six touchdowns. For his career, he has 797 catches, 12,125 yards and 57 touchdowns with a career average of 15.2 yards per catch. Um, so he's not dinking and dunking. 
uh, getting his stats. Um, so Julio, like I said, to me, he just he, he's the best at, at the position. Uh, next up, um, I have Mike Evans. And uh, the reason I have Mike Evans is kind of the same thing. He's kind of a freak of nature in the sense of he's really tall to be, you know, 6'5", in the 230, mm-hmm. 240 range. But he also has deceptive speed. He runs in the 4'5", four 4'6", four a long strider, and just has the ability to moss anybody. And that's what's impressive to me. Um, last year, he had 67 catches for 1,157 yards, averaging 17.3 yards a catch and eight touchdowns. So, like I said, he's stretching the field. It's not, you know, catching five-yard slant routes or six-round cutbacks. He's going down the field and catching the ball. You throwing shots? I'm not throwing shots at somebody in New Orleans, but just saying. Um, In 2018, he did have 86 catches for 1,524 yards, once again averaging 17.7 yards a catch and eight touchdowns. Now, some people equivocate some of his um, stats to Jameis Winston kind of throwing the ball all over the yard. I get that, but he's still a great player. And he was doing this with the likes of Josh McCown as his quarterback. Um, And even in college with Johnny Manziel. You know, Manziel was great in college, but if you look at a lot of his highlights, it's him running around and just throwing it up and Mike Evans just being better than everybody else. Um, And then in 2016, it's kind of when he really burst onto the scene. He had 96 catches for 1,321 yards and 12 touchdowns. Once again, speed can go over the middle. Uh, can catch the long ball, can also take screen passes and go a long way as well. Uh, just a, once again, a freak of nature and all-around receiver. Uh, the next guy I have is DeAndre Hopkins from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he was traded away in the offseason for a bag of chips and a soda um, because Bill O'Brien <laughs> is an absolute idiot. Um, but last year, DeAndre Hopkins had 104 catches for 1,165 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, the year before that, in 2018, he had 115 catches for 1,572 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, and in 2017, his last three years, 96 catches, 1,378 yards and 13 touchdowns. Now, with DeAndre Hopkins, he may be third on my list, but he may be the most impressive. And what I mean by that is that when you look at his quarterback play that he's had to deal with now, he was blessed with Deshaun Watson the last uh, two and a half years. But before that, you know, he was playing with TJ Yates and Sage Rosenfels and yeah. Case Keenum. I'm not Casey. I'm sorry. Um, uh, what's that quarterback name? Uh, number four. Uh, he used to play at Houston, uh, but obviously he's not very good if I can't remember his name. Um, but you know, those are the type. <laughs> those are the type of Brock Osweiler. I mean, come on, these are the type. Of Hopkins was putting up immense stats with um, that. You know, it's just like, well, what's going on? You know, how how's he putting up these stats with these? Uh, poor quarterbacks that he's playing with. Um, so to me, that's most impressive. And I also think DeAndre Hopkins has the best hands in the league. When you watch his uh, his game, his tape, he doesn't get past a lot of people, which is kind of weird. He he was a fast guy at a Clemson, but a lot of his catches are contested. But for the simple fact, he has a snag radius that if you throw it anywhere within his vicinity, DeAndre Hopkins is snagging it and it's his, you know, and like I said, to me, he almost is the most impressive just due to the quarterback play because Julio's had Matt Ryan his entire career. Mike Evans, like I said, excuse me, had um, uh, Jameis Winston, who's not elite, but a guy that is at least going to throw you a lot of passes. (laughs) So you're going to rack up stats. Um, but DeAndre, like I said, he, he's just an all-around great player. Um, he can block and do it all. Um, and then next up, I have Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, now, Michael Thomas, uh, to me, is uh, your classic high-possession, um, high-stat guy. A guy that's just going to get the job done. He's methodical. Uh, last year, had 149 catches. Uh, tied the record for Marvin Harrison for most catches in the season um, with 1,725 yards, had nine touchdowns. I mean, look, he's a machine. You know, he can he can work from the slot. He can work on the outside. It's a, really a shame that he was a second-round pick out of Ohio State. When you look at <laughs> kind of the draft class, it's like, how did this guy fall to the second round? Um, but he had 125 catches in 2018, 1,405 yards and nine touchdowns. In 2007, 
He had uh, 1,245 yards and five touchdowns. Now, what knocks Michael Thomas down from the other guys, in my opinion, and is his yards per catch. Uh, last year, he averaged 12 point, 12, I'm sorry, he averaged 11.6 yards a catch in 2019. In 2018, 11.2 yards a catch. In 2017, 12 yards a catch. And his longest catch last year was 49 yards. Um, and to me, when you look at guys like Mike Evans that are at 17, uh, Julio at 15 and 16, Mike um, DeAndre Hopkins in the 14, 15 range consistently, and you're down at the 12, 11 range, it just looks at your depth of target. Um, now, that could be due to Drew Brees not having the strongest arm anymore like he used to. Um, but that's yeah. what... Yeah, so that's why Michael Thomas slips a little bit for me. He's just his yards per catch and his average to me. Um, he's catching a lot of passes, but it's not as the explosive plays as the other guys. And then my fifth guy rounding out my top five is Tyree Kill. And the reason Tyree Kill is on my list is when you look at his statistics, you would say, is he really top five? Last year, he only had 58 catches. 860 yards and seven touchdowns. He did average 15 yards a catch. Um, in 2018, he had 87 catches for 1,479 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, in 2017, uh, he really burst onto the scene. Had 75 catches, 1,083 yards, and seven touchdowns. So when you look at his stats, they don't necessarily jump off the page. Um, but the reason Tyree Kill rounds out my top five is... I'm big on fear factor <laughs> and you cannot leave Tyreek Hill, excuse me, Tyreek Hill one-on-one and a lot of the, and all these guys, you can't leave one-on-one, but the reason Tyreek Hill is the exception is he literally runs a four, two, four, three. If you leave him one-on-one, he catches a screen pass. He's going to the house one move and go. And he's on a vertical route, a streak route. Anybody that's played mad in those, you press Tyreek Hill, you're asking to get killed for a touchdown. Like, no safety help, it's ridiculous. So, his ability to make teams rotate a safety, not only towards him, but to rotate him 20, 30 yards back, I call it the Randy Moss effect, where the safety has to play so far deep on top of the guy that it'll open the not only the underneath routes for him, but his teammates. And then if the safeties have to play back on him, that opens up the run game for the running backs. Travis Kelsey is able to operate freely because they can't drop a safety down to double team him because they're guarding Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. and then also the way their team is set up with Sammy Watkins on the other side with his speed as well um, and then all, you have Miko Harmon who's just as fast as Tyreek Hill um, in the slot so there's speed everywhere and that threat to me is why he's number five is because are there guys that you would say technically overall better yeah Devontae Adams um, Keenan Allen Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, there's a lot of Omari Cooper, whoever you want to throw in there. I'm not going to argue with you on that. But my thing is with Tyreek, he's such a dynamic weapon, not only in the receiving game, but the return game. Can't kick it to him in the punt game. He will take it to the house. You can put him on jet sweeps. Sorry, Michael Thomas ain't running no jet sweep. Mike Evans isn't running the jet sweep. Um, but you get the ball in Tyreek uh, Hill's hands, and he can do whatever he wants with it. Uh, hope he keeps his hands off the children. Uh, other than that, come on, man. Uh, great play. <laughs> other than that, fantastic player. Um, and like I said, uh, a great player for the Kansas City Chiefs and perfect for their offense. So that that's my top five. All right. So you pretty much reiterated the same top five as me. So I'm going to go a little bit different route. So first, I guess okay. I'll rank my players. Now, number one, I have Julio for obvious reasons. Uh, I guess one would be the fact that if you're if you were really trying to make Say you're on Madden, you're trying to create uh, uh, the ultimate receiver, right? The, the perfect right. receiver. The first thing you, the first kind of player you're probably gonna make is Megatron. But yeah. I feel like not too far, you know, after that, you, you're gonna end up making a Julio, right? Yeah, the so, second freak. Yeah, yeah the, the second freak, right? So, number one, I got Julio. And then even though, you know, his touchdowns are a lot lower than everybody else on the rest of this list. Like you said, for some reason, Matt Ryan and the, the Falcons don't really target him in the in the red zone. Uh, reasons yeah. Fantasy I don't, owners know. Yeah, fantasy owners know. Trust me. Reasons I, I don't understand, don't know. Maybe it might help him get some more wins. All right, number two. <laughs> now, this might be a – I guess this is slight bias. But also, I guess I can make the – I'm going to make the argument based off of production. So, we'll, we'll see leading up into next season because this guy talks a lot on Twitter. And, like, I hope you win something. With as much talking to you, <laughs> and that's Michael Thomas. All right, so we 
I feel like I really don't have to go too much into detail. Now, you could make the points that like you said uh, Michael Thomas can't run uh, the, the routes that, that Tyreek Hill can and this, that, and the third. But I could also make an argument for him having some of the best hands in the league, even though you went with DeAndre. You could also say oh, I, no, no, Larry. Michael Thomas, yeah. But Michael, Michael's yeah. up there, and the numbers speak for themselves. Number one in just about almost every receiving category, so I'm not going to go too far into any of that. And then number three, this was kind of hard, but I went with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I, there was somebody else farther down the list I wanted to go with as number three, but I, I decided to go with DeAndre. And I feel like it's it's, it's low key. It's on. It's honestly a shame that he's not gonna have, or he's not gonna have the opportunity to grow with Deshaun Watson as Deshaun Watson gets better and he I also agree. loses like his only real weapon so that's also disappointing but prior to that deandre has still had some high production seasons with very very bad quarterback play but he's also going to another good situation and you know last season he was ranked number four in receptions with 78 yards a, a game about an average and 104 receptions on the season so mm-hmm. well i'm pretty sure we're going to see that level of production with, with Kyler murray oh yeah with, with Kyler murray but yeah. like you said I, if i had to pick one guy and say who has the best hands in the league i'm probably going with deandre Hopkins. now number four i decided to go with mike evans now he i would say his skill set is somewhat comparable to julio if i gotta compare it to anybody else on this list and even though he was only number 34 in receptions last year, I just think based on just talent and ability, you would have to rank him top five. Like if you say, if you give me a list of guys and you say, who do you want? Mike, Ev- I'm choosing Mike Evans over a lot of guys. I agree. Over a lot of guys. And like you said, going all the way back to Johnny Manziel days where he made Johnny Manziel look I would say slightly better, <laughs> better than he really better was. Better than he was, exactly. He's getting chased by everybody on Alabama. <laughs> he's just throwing that thing up there. And, you know, Michael somehow comes down with it. Yeah. So, yeah. and then I, I say leading up into this next season, he's also another guy who's had bad, really bad quarterback play. So, if you're looking at a guy who was, okay, 37 in receptions, that's pretty low. But, you know, he has a turnover machine for a quarterback. Jameis mm-hmm. going 30 on 30. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit hard so to still have that level like I said that level of production and the amount of talent in that the things you just can't Damn. teach when you build a, a receiver I mean yeah. you put him with Tom Brady I'm, I'm expecting mm-hmm. something special even though they're my division I, I don't want it to be something special <laughs> it is I agree and then number five I'm going with Odell man I'm going with Odell okay now, I know he had a he had a down year okay he was not targeted nowhere as near nowhere as near much as he, he as he normally is but I still have faith in him and I know 2018 he wasn't as healthy and w- one thing I will say is I mean we're talking about bad quarterback play with the rest of these guys I mean did anybody have anything worse working with Baker Mayfield last year yeah I mean that's I mean I think him and uh, I'll say him and Jameis I mean him and Mike Evans had Jameis and Baker, while Hopkins had Watson, Tyreek had Mahomes, and Michael Thomas had Drew Brees. So, so I, I would have to agree with that. And so, uh, just just to put things in perspective, last season Odell had 74 receptions, about a thousand yards, which he normally does around 13 to 1400, something something around there. 1400 was actually his career best, uh, 1450. So he had mm-hmm. 1,035 receiving yards. And he played every game during every game this past season. 74 receptions in 2018 he only played 12 games it has 77 receptions with 1052 yards so it is i'm not going to attribute it to to him losing a step or anything like that when clearly if you watch football you know he was he was not targeted as much as he needed to be and they just had a lot of problems on that football team and one thing i will say to like make a point i would rather i'll take odell over tyreek hill because to me number one Odell, I feel like Odell is more proven. Now Tyreek has performed great on like the biggest stage this past February. You can you can say mm-hmm. and made probably the biggest play in in the Super Bowl. But I feel like if you give Odell that same opportunity, he can do the same thing. Now they don't. I wouldn't say they're super comparable, but out of everybody else that we've both named both named on our list, Odell and Tyreek Hill are the two most likely to make a big play after the catch. So I agree. 
I, I would go with Odell just simply because he's done, he's had that same level of consistency for more seasons. And even though Tyreek Hill, you could say he had slight, I wouldn't even call it a down year. It just wasn't as great as his 2018 season. I would, I'll mm-hmm. take Odell, a healthy Odell in a better situation than Tyreek Hill. Okay. All right. Touche. I, I definitely can see that. Like I said, Odell's arguably the most talented receiver in the NFL. So, um, so there's no, no shame in that. I, I just think Tyreek. Yeah, I do too. I just think Tyreek's, um, like I said, his, just, his speed factor to me is the ultimate X factor. Um, so, like I said, y'all let us know what y'all think about our top fives. Uh, you give your opinion in the comments um, and let us know, you know, kind of what y'all top five is and uh, the rationale behind that. Um, so, next up, uh, we actually had a question from our boy, Jared, Mr. Santos. Um, and he had a good question. He asked us, um, we weren't going to do this topic, but he had a question for us on Twitter. Um, and he asked us, if you could move three players uh, to different teams to make them a contender, who would you do and why? Um, so um, I'm going to let Trey start off since I went off went first last time. Um, so who's going to be your guys um, that you're going to pick? All right. So my three guys that I would absolutely love to see on the contender is number one. You already know who I'm picking number one. I want to see Devin Booker on the contender. All right. And if I had to pick one team. I'm picking. I'm picking the Bucks, and to me, if you you put Devin Booker on the Milwaukee Bucks, that's instant championship. Like that's they're already a championship team, but I think if you put Booker on that team, that it's a ring type thing. That that's just the way I look at it. You have Giannis, who obviously dominates passing and also facilitating making plays. You would add another shooter on your team and another bucket getter in the half court, which is one place that Giannis struggles. And I don't. I mean. You can make an argument that Giannis, not Giannis, but Devin Booker outside of Kevin Durant may, may be hard, and I would prefer Booker. It's probably like, you know, they're top three to five bucket getters in the league, and especially in, in a half-court set. So uh-huh. going one-on-one, all that. I can go on for days about Booker. All right, so number two, I'm going, on, I'm going with Dame Lillard. Now, if I had to pick a team to put him on, I would put Dame on the Lakers. Now, I know it seems like, man, you know, we had this, <laughs> you, you have to comment how much, how much more help does LeBron need, but hey, I, feel, uh, I feel like Dame could fulfill that, that Kyrie role. Now, me personally, I don't I think agree. Dame is better than, I don't think Dame is better than Kyrie. That's just me, my own personal opinion, but. But that if, type of player, that off-ball shooter, ball dominant guys would, because you can make the argument that Kyrie Irving was the best teammate LeBron, not, not. I guess in the nah, like yeah, D Wade D Wade I think is an overall better player as far as in same with Anthony Davis, but right. as far as fit goes, I think Kyrie Irving his ability to shoot like I said off uh, be a, a catch and shoot guy, but also dribble the ball and be a ball handler, and also like I said his ability to knock down big shots. So I I, I would agree with someone like Dan for LeBron. Exactly. I would I would make the same point. D Wade was probably his best teammate overall as a player, but the best fit was Kyrie. Like it's it's literally perfect. And another thing another thing I would say with that, why it would help LeBron is the fact that LeBron has always had the most success with another guy who he doesn't have to he don't, he don't have to get them up. Like they already got that dog right. in. You know what I mean? Because you can make arguments still to this day that LeBron still doesn't have that. MJ Kodak, that, that, that yeah, exactly that killer instinct. Kyrie already has that, so I feel like another problem, probably for a topic for another day, is the fact that AD does it, and that could create problems for them later on. Right. And then my third pick was Zach Levine, and I really struggled with this one because there's actually a couple teams that you could put him on. I feel like you can put him on the Bucks, take Middleton off, and put Zach Le- plug him in into the Bucks system. I'm not as a, I'm not as confident with it as I am with like with Booker, but I feel like, I feel like it, it would be close. I feel like, honestly, Zach Levine and Middleton are pretty close, and like, it, it, truth be told, I think Zach Levine is better. I think he's better. But, you know, you know, you're stuck on a bad team, you know, you get this kind of narrative no, that you you're know, an Levine's average player. Not, no, Levine's not better, Trey. He, look at his war. Look at his RPM. Yeah, his RPM on. and yeah, all that, all that, <laughs> all that stuff. He, he, oh, he takes yeah. minutes, so he takes bad shots, but yeah, 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 you know how that go. But I would put you can make an argument for Levine to go on the Bucks, or you could say, and this one was kind of tough, but 
I would even say that possibly the Mavericks. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I can know. see that. Instead of a, a Tim Hardaway, you add like a Zach Levine. I think that would work. I don't know. Not sure. But that was, those are my three players. And those are the three teams I would like to see them on if they were able to go to a contender. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, so my first guy, I'm going to start off with Brad Bill. Okay. Um, Mr. Bradley Bill out there in the D.C. area. Um, and the reason I'm going to go with Brad Bill, man, he averaged 30.5. I'm sorry. 30.5 points per game this year. Um, you know, shot 84% from the free throw line. Uh, shot 45% from the field and shot 35% from three. Um, and the team I would put him on is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and the reason I put him on the uh, Brooklyn Nets is even if you had to trade a couple pieces, a Karis LeVert, a DeAndre Jordan, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I just think the fit of him, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, I think you put him in the Eastern Conference with those two fellas. Uh, just give him the, the – I wouldn't say give him the ring because they still have to go through the West. Nah, uh, give, him, give him the ring. The East, but the East is definitely theirs, okay? And because you have Kevin Durant, in my opinion, when healthy, the best player in the league. Once again, like we said, Kyrie Irving, um, you can say what you want, but a great, a great off-ball player. A best ball handle of all time. Yes, and – a clutch. Look, he's clutch. He hit the, arguably the, the toughest shot and the most memorable shot in, in, in history of the NBA that could have changed the landscape of the NBA um, just by his shot. Um, just a clutch guy that's there. You know he's going to be there when it matters. Bradley Bill, once again, you, you let um, Kevin Durant operate and then, hey, he gets doubled. He kicks it out to a Bradley Bill who's a knockdown shooter, um, can shoot from the mid-range, like I said, consistent from the free throw line, um, has the ability to, to go off for a 50-piece at any time. Um, I think he would flow well within an offense and just, I think he's a big stage player. I think he he would thrive in the New York, Brooklyn area. Um, so I think a big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Bradley Bill is pretty, pretty fire and something to, that, that would be something to reckon with. Um, the next guy I'm going to go with is Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, down there in Minnesota. Um, you know, he's playing with D'Angelo Russell right now, but they don't really have a lot of talent down there in, um, in Minnesota. And uh, and first off, uh, shout out to Cat. Um, I know he's dealing with a lot with his mom passing from COVID. And um, so I yep. just want to say shout out to Cat uh, for still playing, you know, at the time playing through the season. Um, you know, shout out to him because, you know, I, I can't even imagine going through that pain. Uh, but this year he averaged um, 27 points a game on 50% shooting and averaged 11 rebounds with four assists. And the team that I would put Cat on if I was building a contender is the Boston Celtics. And the reason I'm putting them on the Celtics is you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, you got to deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. So you got to deal with Giannis coming to the rim. You know, you look at the... Um, you know, Miami, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam Mama Bayou, you got, um, you know, guys that can attack the rim uh, relentlessly. You look at the Raptors with uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet and, um, you know, Abaka. So they have bigs. You got to have somebody that can deal with that length in the front court. Um, and so if you add him to a, a young core, let's say you get rid of a guy like Marcus Smart and some of the role players, Marcus Smart, you know, Daniel Thies. Um, so kind of the ancillary pieces, but you still have Kimba with Cat with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think you're competing right there with Milwaukee instantly. And, and let's say the, let's say everything went through. I think your Eastern Conference Finals will be the Celtics. I'm mean, either the Celtics and Bucks against the Nets. Those will be your top three teams. Is what I'm saying. Um, right. Just his ability to shoot from the outside, get hit from the free throw line, has a post up game. Uh, can score, like I said, can score in the paint, can pass. I think he would fit really well within the Brad Stevens offense. He would kind of be how Al Horford was for them, but a much better version because he's much younger and much more athletic. Like I said, the ability to shoot, smart player, can defend, um, can make free throws, make middies, um, a great screener. And then, like I said, he's also a guy that can play without the ball. So if he's running pick and roll with Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum drives, you know, the defense claps. Hey, kick it out to Cat on the wing for a three. He's more than comfortable hitting those shots at a, at a efficient rate. Um, so, like I said, him pick and roll with Kemba, pick and roll with Jalen Brown. And also, he can protect the rim, which is something they really don't have 
at that power forward center position, a true big man that can be mobile and also defend. the only worry with that, like, like, but I do agree, like, at the players together would definitely fit. But I mean, Brad Stevens, he just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I've never seen a guy <laughs> coach less talent better. Like, it's just the the, the lesser the talent, the the better the the, the, the coaching he does. I, yeah, I, sure. I agree. I'm not and sure. He, uh, Carlton Town shot 41% from the three-point line this year. So, <laughs> I yeah. want people to think 41%. Think about that. For, for a center. For a center. 41%. He's shooting. Shot 50% from the, from the field and shot 80% from the free throw line. Like I said, I just want people to really rationale a seven-foot big shooting 41% from the three-point line. Also, it would um, be a bonus because he doesn't have to be that guy. Exactly right. He can be he can be the second the second starter, Jason Tatum. Um, and then my third guy is Brandon Ingram. And the reason I'm gonna go with Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. is uh, Brandon Ingram is a guy that I'm I'm not gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Brandon Ingram out of out of college out of Duke. Um, I wasn't a huge guy when the Lakers drafted him. Um, I thought I just I didn't see it in him. I know people saw. You know, KD, this is next KD because he was skinny and had kind of the same shot as KD. But I just, I didn't see it, you know. Um, And this year, he kind of, I believe he's in the running for most improved player. Um, I believe he should win it. Um, He averaged 24 points a game this year with five rebounds and four assists. Um, He shot 85% from the free throw line. He shot um, 39% from the three-point line. Um, So, his ability to shoot and shot overall 46% from the field. Um, so his efficiency was was really good. Um, like I said, and he also played with a team that's kind of dysfunctional because you have Lonzo Ball, a point guard that can't shoot. Zion Williamson, out of shape. <laughs> then you look at, you know, Derek Favors, Drew Holiday, you know, Jackson Hayes. It's a bunch of names, but not a lot of cohesion. So it's a bunch of on paper it sounds good, but when you put it on the basketball court, it just doesn't mesh well. Um, but I think if you put him on the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, with Przingis, where he can be the third, the third guy, um, maybe even the second guy, depending on how you feel about Porzingis. Um, but a third guy that once again, and I'm very big on this with my players, to have ball handlers, guys at the end of the games that, hey, if you trap Luka Doncic. Who's the second guy that can create their own shot? Who's the second or third guy that can create offense for somebody else? When you look at their offense right now, who is that? Tim Hardaway? Yeah. Steph Curry? Uh, you know, yeah, okay. I mean, Jackson Brunson? Okay. I mean, Porzingis? He's a big. But if you add Brandon Ingram to the team, you have a legit 6'9 wing player that can dribble, get his own shot, can pass the ball, can hit consistently from the three-point line, 39%, can make his free throws, can uh, make the mid-range game. Um, and also, like I said, his ability to spread the floor. Let's say you go into a, a closing lineup of Luke. At, uh, let's say you, you have Luke at the one with Seth Curry at the two. You have Brandon Ingram at the three. Um, uh, you can have someone like, uh, you know, even if you want to go super small, you know, you could have someone like a... Um, I don't know if Tim Hardaway would fit. But anyway, well, you got like Tim Hardaway at the three, Brandon Ingram at the four, and Porzingis at the five. Yeah. I was and, yeah. You know, and that's a lot of spacing, a lot of shooting, and Porzingis has shown that he can protect the rim. Um, so you have a guy that can protect the rim. Brandon Ingram is good enough defensively. He's not defensive player of the year material, um, but he's good enough defensively with his length to bother people. And I think that's an explosive offense with Rick Carlisle coaching them boys. You know Rick Carlisle is going to get the best out of young players. Look what he's got out of Luka. Um, you know, look what he's getting out of Porzingis, making Porzingis be a true big. You know, back to the basket. You know, stop selling for threes. I think he would be excellent for Brandon Ingram's development as a player. I mean, look what he did, you know, with guys like Michael Finley and uh, Dirk Nowitzki, obviously, and... Uh, you know, just this guys that came in the league and Josh Howard, all these type of guys that he coached and allowed them to be really good players. Um, I think he could work wonders with Brandon Ingram. Um, so those would be my three guys, Bradley Bill, Carl Anthony Towns, and Brandon Ingram. The one thing I would would say 
and then we can move on is if you do put Brandon Ingram on that team, which I think would, I want to say would work. I think it would. Only thing to me for or for me would be that the fact Ingram has to be the number two. I don't okay. think Ingram can be a, a three. Not a at third, this point. Okay. No, when he's had this. Okay. This success, this success, I, I, you know what I mean? Averaging uh, about twenty-seven a game, you know what I mean? Coming out of LA, I'm saying, hey, I, you know, he because he, he can share. Obviously, he they do that with Zion. You you can tell that they feel more comfortable, and their morale is definitely up when Zion is on the floor. But when right. he's out, they obviously don't play as well. I think, I think it would fit, but I think Ingram has to be the number two, and. Mm-hmm. Porzingis will have to relegate to that third spot, which I think would be fine because he's still. I was gonna say I think I'm still not 100. percent Yeah, and I think Porzingis. I think he's he's like a, we had this discussion earlier about Jimmy Butler. Some guys are just more suited to be number threes. And if, hey, and if Porzingis, Kristaps Porzingis is your third best player on the team, that's a pretty damn good team. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, there's no shame in that. Um, so like I said, y'all let us know what you think. Um, you know, kind of, you know, some guys y'all think that can, you know, make that jump to an elite team or and make them championship contenders just by their presence. Um, so next on, we're going to get into the um, 2K. You know, it's a game we both love. A lot of our listeners play. Um, something I've been playing, you know, since Allen Iverson on the cover. Um, played NBA Live, so basketball game is nothing new to me. I'm pretty sure it's same for you. Um, the last couple of years, I think, in most people's eyes, like 2015, 2016 were good games. I think 2017, 2K17 was probably the last, I would say, really good to great game in most people's eyes. Um, 2018, I think, was an abomination. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, the great part, the snatchbacks, the blow buys. There was some game play, fun gameplay. I just, it was depressing to go outside and play the game. I just, I was through with that game by November, December. Um, 2K19, I thought was overall, I thought was a pretty good game, except for a few exploits the pushing in the park, stretch bigs, making ridiculous shots, uh, lockdowns becoming the lockdowns being the best build <laughs> in the game. Yeah, you when they're supposed to be Tony Allen breaking from the corner, but they're you know Michael Jordan and you can do everything. Um, you know, but overall, I thought the gameplay was fun. It was sped up. It was an arcade-style game with the uh, dual takeovers. Um, so, overall, I said I thought it was a good game. If they fixed a couple things, I think it could have been an excellent game. Uh, 2K20, to me, was a, a major step down from 2K19. Um, the reason was that the slow gameplay, once again, just the same part. The player movement. Their, yeah, the player movement isn't fun. It isn't free. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts going into the next gen in 2K21. What are some of the things you want to see to make a good 2K game? So, man, I can. You sure you want to make this podcast about two hours? <laughs> about another two hours? <laughs> Look, all right. So there's there was a lot wrong with this past 2K. Like you said, the fact that 2K20 literally felt like 2K19.5. But worse, like it literally felt like they did a DLC to 2K19 and they just made it the absolute worst version of the previous game. It's ridiculous. Now, one thing that I could definitely say was I, I could say was somewhat of a step up was the fact that we had the ability to pick our own badges, which seemed cool in the beginning. But then once you be once you actually start playing the game, it's like, all right, man, a lot of these badges don't really work. And you can tell that they they basically split up certain badges. Like, for instance, Acrobat on 2K19 it is now uh, Fancy Footwork. It's now, uh, uh, what else is there? It's now Acrobat itself. It, it's like a whole, oh, cross-key score. It's, it's a lot of stuff like that where it's kind of silly. And it feels like they kind of just like finessed us. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, you there?
You back? All right. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Um, just had some connection issues. Um, but we're going to get back to into what we were talking about. Um, so I know Trey was getting into um, the badges and stuff. So uh, about 2K20 and kind of what, what went wrong this year. All right. So back to the, the badge situation. It seems like they kind of just split up all of the main badges that we've had in previous 2Ks and kind of just, you know, rewrap the gift, you know, that you got last Christmas and for your birthday before and made it seem like it was so <laughs> special and it, it really wasn't. And so things that I would look for or I would want to see in the next 2K, now I'm going to preface this by saying in the next, on the next gen, because right, right. look, for anybody who doesn't know, if you're buying 2K21 on PlayStation 4, you're probably going to get 2K 20.5 okay yeah, so yeah. just be prepared for that it's happened in past years that's how it always goes but in 2k 21 first thing i want to see is i want to see a new scenery i don't care if it's called the park the playground uh the, the kitchen i, I want to see something <laughs> else okay like we've right, been WNBA playing in the same <laughs> hey we've been playing in the same place for for like Two, for two years already, right? Yeah. And so if you go back to 2K18, it's kind of like the same thing same thing there too. I, number one, I, I don't know why they don't think this, this stuff matters, but aesthetics is literally 50% of a game, you know, to, to be to be truthfully honest. Aesthetics is actually a, a really large part of the game in presentation because when you're playing, you're standing at a screen for you know hours or just a long periods of time and we want to be able to see something new and something that we haven't seen before because it adds something to the to the gaming experience itself. And then next, we need to see something. Uh, we need to see interchangeable scenery. So, traveling parks to maybe different cities, different places across the country. I would like to go from Rucker Park to Venice Beach. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one thing that we both agreed on is the fact that NBA Live may be a horrible game. Their Game presentation and their aesthetics are fantastic. I agree. So if I can, if we can go from that, you know what I mean, or maybe a Kobe and, and Gianna Court, like they like, it was supposedly leaked. That's I think that's in the Philippines. Maybe even going traveling to a park like that, that would be lit. And that's something that you need as a gamer. That way, when you get on, you're not looking at the same thing over and over because that literally takes the fun out of it itself. Number two, gameplay. I want to see fluid movement from players, all right? Well, this is the year 2020. So if y'all ever seen Terminator, I think Salvation, yeah, they got flying cars and robots and we still got, you know what I mean? Madden still got the players moving stiff and looking like Kit Kats and popsicles. Like I, w I want I want to see fluid player movement because that's not something that we had last year. Mm -hmm. And Mike Wang, I know you're probably not going to hear this, man, but all the stuff that you call was goofy, in terms of dribbling, it, it's what makes the game fun, and it's another element of skill gap that you have to put in the game. Like, you just, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Dribbling and all the other stuff, that has to be a huge element of the game because it's a big part of the arcade feel, and like I said, it builds the skill gap. Another thing I would like to see is it doesn't have to be you only have to green to score. But we, we need to, you know, fine tune the shooting aspect so we're not getting sprayed with contested shots for game winners or just any tight possessions. <laughs> like none of that, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta know how to hoop to score. I'm sorry. I agree. Uh, that's I agree. You know that. what I mean? You can't play Call of Duty and shoot a shoot a dude in the ankle and get a headshot. You, right. you gotta be accurate. You gotta be. And then lastly, before I, I hand it off to you. The, the drip was cool last year, but I want to see a little bit more. All right, so y'all had the, they brought the, the clothing brands and stuff in the game, which was, which was, that was cool. I did appreciate that. But we need a better jersey selection. Like all the past players' jerseys and stuff like that need to just be available nearly year round. Like we should just be able to go buy these, you know what I mean? These clothes, yeah. these fits. You feel me? Because that's, that's a little bit agitating myself. Wasn't enough Kobe jerseys on there. I'm still not. <laughs> I'm still ain't feeling right about how you did my boy. Yeah. This passing. So hopefully y'all gonna make it up to him on this one. But uh, I know you got a lot to say because we both play 2K a lot. Yeah. So I'm gonna pass it to you. But those are probably like the three to four main things I want to see. Oh, and keep the cut, the, the skip and cut scenes because we don't care oh, about yeah. what y'all got going on over there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, now see like. 
and that's the thing for me and this is the same argument I have with Madden and I play Madden and I, I try not to let Madden get to me where I've broken three controllers this year and I try not to let I used to it's just a video game. I have to it's just a video game it's just a video game but my issue with Madden and 2K is, and we talk about this all the time, especially with Jared, our boy, when we used to play Wreck Heavy, you know, we used to play that almost every night, is it's one thing to lose when you're losing to a team that's just flat out better than you. I can accept that. If I'm guarding someone and they are cooking me, very rarely, <laughs> I'm throwing it out there very rarely, but there are some guys that you get on there, hey, ain't nothing you can do about it, right? I can, as a man, I can say, okay, I'm not good enough in this situation and this person is better than me and, and they're showing why. I can live with that. A team, hey, you face a top pro-am team and they play a certain style and you can't beat it. Okay, cool. I can live with that. But my issue is when you're clearly better than people and they get bailed out. In 2K, to me, the skill gap has diminished each year where it's more and more catered to bums. You should not be able to come out on the court fresh out of buying 85 overall and who you should not be able to just throw on jump shot 98 because and jump shot 38 and shoot well because you have a good jumper that the game has equipped as a jumper better than everybody else's no you should have to have skill to shoot a jump shot you should know your timing you should know what a good shot and a bad shot is I think that's my biggest issue with 2K is they don't differentiate between good shots and bad shots. You shooting a shot, let's say you get a dime from the from your point guard and you're in the corner and a guy is running full speed sprinting at you and you shoot the ball and because you have dead eye or steady shooter or whatever nonsense badge they, they give you for contested shots and it goes in, to me that reduces the realism of the game. That reduces the the competitiveness of the game because all I got to do is throw a Hall of Fame steady shooter and I can shoot whatever nonsense I want to shoot and it goes in. Um, Joe Knows made a video way back in September when this game came out. He made a Giannis Antetokounmpo build and literally said in September, hop steps are going to be OP this year. I'm hop stepping from almost the three-point line into the rim and dunking. He said this back in September. Yeah, we are in August, and hop steps by two-way slashing playmakers are still the most OP thing in the game. Why is that? Why? Why is something that was way back in August, September? We're almost a full, literally a full year later, and it's still the most OP thing in the game. Uh, to your thing about scenery, it's the same. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I'm not going to reiterate what you said, but. The ability to see different aspects and different... Hell, we're outside. Make it rain. Hey, we outside. We should be able to hoop in the rain. Like like back in the day, it's raining outside. So what? Let's yeah. go hoop. Hey, your guy may slip and slide all over the court. But hey, you get to hoop in the rain. Hey, hey it's dark at night. I think they did something like that. But make it where it's really... Not no park after dark. Trust me. No nonsense like that. But... Make it nighttime where it hey it's eight o'clock at night and your boys are running a five v five on the park like like old times say it's a summer night hey let's go run a five v five game at the park um and then you look at to me the biggest thing for me is the gameplay like I said that's the number one thing if you have good gameplay I can look over a lot of things but when your gameplay is bad it really takes away from the rest of your game. And one thing I'm going to get into is that I know a lot of people don't look into the my career aspect of it and care. And I understand. But the reason for that is because they have put no effort into my career. They put effort into things that we don't care about. Look, I just Alpha, you're a great actor. Pretty sure you're a great man. I do not care for you being into the NBA 2K. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about your storyline. I don't care about you or anything about you. Uh, you know, when they had uh, Be Fresh, I mean, I don't, look, Mike Wayne, 2K, all we want is, I want to be a hooper. I don't care about the storyline. Just make me, <laughs> make me a hooper that wants to get to the league. I like, personally, like I said, maybe this me, I like going through high school. I like going through college, and I like making it to the NBA. I used to enjoy playing my career along with the park, along with pro Wayne, 
along with uh, Rick. I, but I actually think that portion should be brought back of having fun in my career. People go to my career just to grind badges. Nobody goes to my career and actually has fun. I remember 2K14, 15, 16. It was legit fun to play in my career and try to win a championship and and build camaraderie with your teammates. Now people go in there, turn it to 12 minute quarters at the time, put it, <laughs> get it cracked. Put, yeah, put it on rookie, throw some music on, throw a movie on, and go in there, cherry pick, and try to get their corner specials back. That's not what my career should be about. Like my career should be having getting your badges, but also having a good time while doing it, having a good time enjoying and, and upgrading your player. And also the microtransactions, 2K. Look, I get it. I understand Insane. you want to make money. I get it. But look, there are, you have to understand <laughs> there are people out there that can't that can only afford a $65 game. They can't afford to spend $65 on a game, then spend another $50 to just to get the $85. Then you have to spend more money for clothes, boost, just to stay competitive. There's no reason I should have 99 stamina and still have to buy Gatorade. No, no reason for that, 2K. Come on now. Facts. And be more be more responsible with your VC. Make it lower. Make it reasonable. And if the product is good, the money's coming in either exactly. way. So exactly. You, don't have to, you know what I mean? And also you have to overprice. And my biggest thing, I'm gonna leave it at this. Stop lying to the community. Just be honest with the community. Look, we're at we're in August. The game, the demo comes out in two weeks. We have not seen one footage of gameplay other than Damian Lillard hitting a contested shot, which makes me sick once again. Um, that's the only footage we've seen is him. Oh, and, and Zion sweating. Yeah, well, Zion, yeah, sweating Zion, the court. Yeah, sweat like he's in a sauna, like he just got some gumbo from Louisiana, and that's all we got. Okay, so why just just be honest with your consumers, man? That's all I'm asking. I think 2K20 would have been okay. It still would suck that we had the same part. But the fact that Ronnie lied to us on stream, talking about it's not the same park and you can respect your builds and, you know, all this stuff he lied about, small forwards are going to get a buff on the pie chart. That, and I, I just said that's going to be my last thing, but there's one more thing that just came to mind. I know people don't want quote-unquote unrealistic builds and gameplay, but to me, that's what makes the game fun. I should be able to make a Kevin Durant build. I should be able to make a Kyrie Irving build. I should be able to make a Kobe Bryant build. I know some people say you shouldn't be able to do all that. I should. I'm an NBA player. I should be able to make a guard who can light you up from deep, dunk on you, and play lockdown defense. Yes, I agree with that. And the reason I think you should be able to do that is you will see who's the real who. Okay? Because... It's not going to be, oh, I have Hall of Fame defensive stopper like 2K19, and I don't have to have any skill. All I have to do is be within your vicinity, and it drops all your badges. No, 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 no. I'm going to be badged up. You're going to be badged up, and we're just going to see who can, who's the better hooper, who 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 can get open. Not, not your badges bailing you out. Not you being able to hit from deep just because I have silver range extender and you right. have Hall of Fame. No, we both we both gonna have Hall of Fame, but we're gonna see who who can time their <laughs> shot better. Who's the better player? Right. That's what I wanna see. You know, that's my that's why I think if you have a skill gap where, yeah, you can say, quote unquote, oh, he has a demigod, but what is he doing with that demigod? Because we've seen plenty of guys that are ninety nine overall badged out and can't play a lick. And, and they don't know how to play. They they let they and no, go ahead. I guess we can finish off with this because this is something that we are both adamant about. 2K. Let's just put this in perspective for all of our listeners. Typically, who is the worst player on the court? Uh, in, in, in real life, in, in the NBA, typically, the, the worst player on the court is the guy who is one-dimensional, right? Now, would you... Right. Now, also, right. uh, I have another question for you guys. Now, think about this. Who would you rather have? A guy one-dimensional on offense shooting such as a JJ Reddick or a guy who's one dimensional or Kyle Corver, you know, guys like that. Or a guy who's one dimensional in another aspect, defense. And uh, uh Andre Roberson, Tony Allen, like mm-hmm. Tony Snell, if you want to even go there. Who, yeah. who who would you rather have? I think we're all pretty much picking 
the offensive guy, the guy who can shoot, especially since, you know, right. this is a offensive era, shooters league, all those things like that. But outside of that, you're picking the guy who can put the ball in the basket. So there is no reason to take for the best build or the best player in any game <laughs> mode to be somebody who we would all agree to be the worst player on a real NBA court, right? Or if y'all haven't looked this up on YouTube, there is a clip of Andre Roberson in the corner, which is the easiest three-point shot to make. In the corner, shooting a three, Chris, Chris Paul waves him off and says, hell no, nah, before he shoots. And then Roberson proceeds to airball. <laughs> So don't don't tell me don't don't pick that guy, put him in the video game, and he's the best he's the best one because it's just it's so far yeah. from real. It's it's agitating. Now <laughs> that I leave it at that. And you could go on YouTube. No, you could go on YouTube and type in demigod lockdown mixtape. <laughs> the fact that that's even a thing is a problem. Two K. The fact that someone could go in pro am. And make a demigod <laughs> mixtape with a lockdown with a 55 three-pointer is insane. Is, like that, that's that's ridiculous to me. He should not be getting playmaking takeover 2K. Okay, so um I just want to get that off my chest. We we've been about this a lot on the game. Uh just because like I said, we like realistic gameplay. And I like to I like to arcade some of the stuff, but come on, 2K. Let, let's, and for let's anybody be who feels like Tony Allen got anything. It's we could go on for yeah. days. Oh, so, trust me. Oh, we go on rants. Anything all the we time. didn't say, yeah, we, we, we agree with pain. you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so finally, we're gonna get to kind of like a, a lighter topic here. Um, so we're gonna discuss who should pay on the first date. You know, um, the guy or the girl. Now, this is kind of a nuanced question because I know most people will say, "Well, if you ask me on a date, you should pay." You yeah. know, like. Okay, I get that. But what we're at, what I'm trying to get at is, let's just say you guys have both set up a date. And let's say it's maybe your first or second time together. So you haven't been together, but, you know, you're getting to know each other. You're in a talking stage. And let's say you say, hey, you know, let's go to Dave and Buster's, whatever, you know. And I want to take you out. Let's go out Saturday night to Dave and Buster's, right? I want to know... Do you think it's the obligation for the guy to pay that asked the girl out, the girl to pay to say, hey, you know, I got this. I appreciate you asking me out. I'm going to take care of this. Or, you know, should they split the bill? You know, should they say, hey, you know, I'm going to pay for my half of what I've ordered and what my uh, fun expenses are. And you pay for your half. What are your thoughts? Okay, so initially, I really want to just say that the guy should because that's just something that I've always done. It wasn't really taught to me. It was kind of something I just had to like figure out on a whim you know what i mean just like you know what i mean so me personally i would honestly say the, the guy should and then if you don't agree with that well then cool next thing i would look at is okay what type of what type of situation is this is this like somebody you've been you know say say you're from a guy's perspective you've been trying to get with her for a while you've been shooting your shot for a minute you know what i mean putting in that effort and she finally give it that the right. opportunity Hey, hey, you got to come up off that bench. You got to show out. So, you, I, honestly, I would feel like you should just pay regardless in that aspect, too. And then second or third I, a point I would make is, like, women or ladies. I feel like you shouldn't come into the situation just automatically expecting that he is. Just in case he, he's the kind of about, about to do that. So, if he's, you know, on that type of energy, like, you know, we're both grown. Hey, I'm, I got mine. You got yours on like some some uh, a new because it's a it's a new a new thing between y'all, right? Like you said, maybe like the first or second date. Please be prepared that way. You know what I'm saying? You the, you don't get your heart broken. You know what I'm saying? He he not playing you out and you not embarrassing yourself. You know, make sure that you're in a position where okay, we stepping out. I got this money for me just in case. That's not what type of vibe this is or that's not the type of energy he's right, on right. you know what i mean because every guy's not the same i'm i'm sure we all know that every woman's not the same either so she might not be looking for that hey no i, I got it i can do my own all right cool that's that's you know what i mean right. either way it goes but i'm honestly a part of that if you if i actually want to date expect me to pay that's me personally right now, now can't say that speak for everybody but that's what i would think about it <laughs> you will get played out and, you know what i mean no nah, you know i i agree i i think that if you initiate it 
you should pay. Like, you know, if you say, hey, I want to take you out to the movies, you know, I want to take you out to out to eat, um, you know, and, and I, I think in that case, when you initiate it, you should take care of it. But I do think that sometimes women look at guys, look, hey, and if you're guilty of it, you know, just admit it, you know, they, they sometimes they play these men into free meals, <laughs> free free dates and it's like okay um i just like to me you should be open and honest about it at, from the start um don't leave no gray area because we've seen plenty of things on twitter and instagram where you know a girl to order all types of stuff off the menu and the guy like he had a budget in his mind that he was yeah, gonna pay the budget for out the window all of us right all of a sudden you know he he worried about his car getting declined because he was set on a certain amount and you know now he embarrassed. He in the group chat. Look at this broke MF Rodgers went out with. And you know he's sitting there embarrassed. You know, and it could be the other way around too. You know, a guy take. I've seen this happen too. Guys take advantage of girls that are very sweet. You know, pay for a lot, and then you know they never uh, keep that same energy. So I just think whoever initiates it should be like, okay. I'm asking you out and I'm going to take care of it, you know, because if you don't, you're just setting yourself up for an awkward situation where, um, you know, you come in there and uh, you expect the one thing and you get another. And one thing my mom always told me is never always go with your own money. I don't care what situation. No matter where you're going. You know, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if they promise you the world. I'm going to buy everything. You ain't got to buy nothing. Always take your own money because you never know how. Especially black people, I'm be honest. Hey, y'all get to acting funny sometimes out in public. Stop, all right? yeah, that's not what we that's hey. not what we can do on this on this platform. Hey, hey, hey. I'll be honest, hey, we are honest on this podcast. Hey, I know how y'all be out there. So don't be out there getting out there and acting up and be like, hey, I ain't paying for nothing. Yeah. All right, all right, cool. That's why I got my own bread, just in case you try to act up. You know, that's all I'm saying. Um, so, but like I said, to me, as long as you initiate it, I think you should pay. I think for the most part, like I said, I think women should expect to be catered, um, because they are the woman. Um, but I just think, you know, especially if they're the one uh, that was sought after, you know what I mean? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be, like I said, if you, if you're seeking after a woman that didn't seek after you, if you slide in the DMs, like, Hey, let me change your life. Be prepared to come off that bread. Right, exactly. She's expecting something. Well, okay, he's serious. So I'm expecting to be taken care of like a queen, you know. So, you know, as a guy, you just got to be prepared. That's all I'm saying, fellas. You know, not taking the woman's side or anything like that in that it, situation. But another say, thing we need to add. Now, this is taking it serious, guys. Like, you know what I mean? Don't, well, I mean, I guess either, either way it goes. Because if, if you ask a woman to, you know what I mean, come out the house and go somewhere with you you should be looking to pay regardless you know what i mean but you ain't gotta go all out if this is not you know what i mean you ain't going to the moon and back yeah yeah i'm not yeah i ain't saying spend three hundred dollars on the first date i'm not saying that no not even close but in general we should be paying more than them that's for sure especially on the first couple Yeah, yeah, most of them. you got to set that precedent, you know, that you you ready to rock and roll, and you know you got the bread. And and I, hey, look, fellas, I don't care how you get the bread. You got your parents, you got your homeboy. Hey, don't be out there with no money in these situations because it will scar you for life, you know. So because your reputation precedes you, okay. So just make sure you do what you do. We don't want we don't want none of our kings in group chats, okay. No group chats 2020. That's going to be the hashtag. No group chats 2020. So we won't see none of y'all getting embarrassed, you know, in 2020. So um, <laughs> so I appreciate y'all guys tuning in to the podcast. Uh, like I said, I had some technical difficulties, but I appreciate you guys sticking with us. Um, like I said, shout out to Trey for being on here with me. Um, my other Trey, he got a lot going on right now with homework and everything. So he's unable to join us. Um, so like I said, I want you guys to please, please, please. Uh, share this podcast with your friends, family, uh, on iTunes, Apple. Please give us a five-star review. Helps us get recommended. Uh, please leave comments. Um, and also follow me on Twitter at baby underscore Jesus 14. And where can they find you at? Underscore and Trey We Trust. All right.
Hey, y'all know where to find us at. We always there, social media, rocking and rolling, trying to talk sports. Um, so once again, appreciate you guys tuning in to the podcast. Everybody stay safe. You know, with this whole coronavirus, stay masked up. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. Peace.